We have a lot to be thankful for, but just nestled in that song. My chains are gone, I've been set free. What more could you ask for in this life than chains that bind you, chains that hold you? Whatever your thing is, because we all have a thing, right? Can we be honest? We all have something. We all have a vice. We all have something that we've had to overcome. We've all had something that almost destroyed us. Whatever it is, we know the one who sets us free from that. And that in itself makes Thanksgiving weekend, right? Because we can be thankful. If nothing else in this world that you choose, notice I said choose. If you choose to be thankful for nothing else in this world, be thankful that your chains are gone or that they can be gone, right? Amen. It's good to see everybody. I'm glad you're here. The month of November, we give thanks for where we are, for what God has done in our life, and for the blessings that he's given us. And we have a lot to be thankful for. Right? We have a lot to be thankful for. Sometimes we, our, our, our ben, not our benefits, but our blessings get lost in the shuffle. Right? We have a, a 1080p TV, but then the 4K comes out. Right? And we lose the fact that we have a 1080p TV that looks great because that 4K is in the store and we want it, right? I walked in Sam's Club yesterday and they have an 80-inch television. It is this big. I'm like, angel choir, ah! But I'm like, no, my 46 will do. Right? Well, at some point, we have to be content with, with something that we have and not be, always be trying to get the next, next best, greatest, latest thing, although that is a, a struggle of mine that I like to have the latest, greatest, best thing out, so y'all pray my strength, right? Amen. Amen. Thanksgiving month, we're blessed. We've been doing the Blessed Series. This is week four of four. It's not like four or six. It's week four. This is the last, right? Two, yeah, y'all, y'all remember. I hope y'all remember, right? We went through all that, the four cups in six weeks. Okay. Who's, who's got a turkey coma still? Let's, let's lose the food comas and the food babies, and let's, let's hone in on something that God wants to do for us today. And this is the last week of, of our blessed series. We did bless the burden. We did blessed to share. We did blessed to be a blessing. And today we're going to talk about being blessed with a need. Right? Now you're like, What? How is having a need a blessing? Well, we're going to find out about being blessed with a need. Who knows a needy person? Some of y'all are too scared to raise your hands right now because they're sitting next to you, maybe. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're needy. You might not want to admit it because the stigma comes with being needy, right? Has anybody ever told you you're needy? That's not something you want to hear from somebody. Somebody say, you're very needy. Because it means you always want something. You're always asking for something that, that you're just... In lack of a better term, it means that sometimes you can be a nuisance because you're always asking for something. So we don't want to be kind of lumped in that group as needy. But I will tell us today that I and all of you out here today are needy people. Right? And we're blessed with a need. And if we're talking about blessings, we, we, we really talk about the blessings of God or being blessed. A lot of people would say, I really want God to bless me, right? Who wants God to bless you? And if we think of that in traditional terms, we think of being secure, we think about having money, and, and we think about not needing anything, right? A blessed person in our mind is a person who has everything that they need. Is that correct or not? 
And really, sometimes when we say, I want to be blessed, we're really saying, I want to be completely self-sufficient, right? Because blessed in our mind is having enough financially, it's being healthy, it's, it's our family being intact and, and whole, and it's, it's our car not breaking down, it's our TV working, it's our cable not going out, it's our internet, all internet, you know, first world problems. But when the internet is down, it's like the whole world screeches to a stop. What did we do before wireless modems? Who remembers the 33 6K modems? Yeah. Let's go back a minute on that. First world problems, we're, we're blessed and we think about all these things that, that, that constitute blessing in our lives. But every, a blessed person in our mind is a person who has everything that they need. Right? And when we say, I want to be blessed, we're really saying, I want to be completely self-sufficient. And you may say, well, this person is blessed and they have everything they need. They're blessed financially. They don't, they don't have the struggles that I have. And, and we're just saying that they don't need money and that they have everything that they need. They're self-sufficient. Who's heard of the Barna Group? Anybody? A couple of you. They do research. And he did this poll and he found that 94% of Americans, 94% of Americans believe that they are self-reliant or self-sufficient. 94%. And I guess it's a good thing because we have the Declaration of Independence, right? It's bread, like boom, like 200 and whatever, whatever years ago. My math is failing this morning. 200 and what? 39, 240, 240, 241, something. A long time. We've been having babies and saying we're independent. We're, we're declaring our independence, that we are self-reliant, that we are self-sufficient, and we relate that to blessing in our lives. We don't want to depend on anybody for anything. We don't want to ask anybody for any, anything, and we, we wrap that into being self-sufficient. Who sometimes just doesn't want to be bothered? You want to do your own thing. You want to go your own way. You want to be like just out there, Right? Right. Whoever puts your earbuds or your headphones in and they're not playing music? One, keep them up. A few of you. And some of y'all are thinking, why in the world would you ever do a thing like that? You do it so people will leave you alone. Because you don't want to be bothered. You don't want to be interrupted. You want to do your own thing and have your own time and people just leave you alone. You want to be self-sufficient. Right? Is, is that right? Is that why you do it? You want quiet time. In a world that's not quiet. You put your headphones in and you just do your own thing. And who, who's ever had your headphones or your, your earbuds in and you were doing something and you didn't really know what you were doing? And you didn't want to ask for help? None of y'all are brave enough for that one. We want to be independent. We're at the beach this summer and this little boy... He's like four, I think he's four years old, and he's like this little man-child. And, and he was on his, his boogie board, and he was coming in the water, and, and he was really getting some good time. Like, he was coming in, boom, 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 and he was like on top of the water and doing great. This little bitty kid. And I'm like, I can't do that. So he's, he's doing this over and over and over, and finally Dad decides he's going to help him do better, right? So Dad, proud Dad, he's already doing well over there. So Dad goes over there, and he gets it, and he's, he's helping him, helping him, helping him, and he gives him a push. And he does better than what he was doing before, but it made him mad because he wanted to do it by himself, right? So he gets off his boogie board, he rips the, the same thing, and he throws it, 
I don't want you to help me. I want to do it by myself. And he was just livid. And we're laughing at him because it was funny because it wasn't my kid. And I didn't have to take care of that. But, right, my kid went, don't do that again. But even at like four or three, four years old, we have this thing that we want to be independent and we want to do things on our own and we don't need help from somebody else. And we are our own person, right? And we have this this need, this desire to be self-reliant, to be independent, and to push people away. We don't need them. Who's ever been to the gym before and you, you, you know you need to work out and you're there and you, you haven't worked out a lot? Anybody? Let's start there. You go to the gym and you're not familiar with the stuff, right? And you're like, how does this work? <laughs> and you're like trying to like change the pins and try to figure out how the things work and all that. And you don't want to ask for help, do you? I don't. Men, who will stop and ask for directions? You won't. You got GPS in your phone, you got GPS in your car, and it's still not working, and you won't ask for directions. You get somewhere late, and my GPS just sent me to the wrong place. Because we want to be self-reliant, we want to be independent, we want to be all alone, we, want, we don't want people to bother us, we go in our house, we hit our button, raise our garage door, we pull in, we lower our garage, if you have a garage, and then we go in, and we close the doors, and we're by ourselves, we're completely independent. So we have 94% of Americans saying, I want to be self-reliant, I want to be independent, Right? And if you ask the majority of most people, they will say it feels like something is missing because we're blessed with a need. We are blessed with a need. From the very first person who has ever, 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 ever created, Adam, God has blessed us all with a need, and it's a need for somebody else. Right? It's a need for another person, it's a need for a relationship with God. We're blessed with a need. Ephesians 2 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. But as believers of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're members of his body. Another scripture says that we're members of a body jointly fit together, right? If your shoulder comes out of place, you know about it pretty quickly. Like instantly, because something's not right, it hurts, it doesn't feel good, you're in agony. Well, the body of Christ is a body jointly fit together. We're placed together by God for his purpose. And we're created with a need to be part of this family. We're created with the need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. When, when God created us, he did not create us to be independent. So we've spent over 200 years being independent and just in this nation, but really we're going against the nature that God put in us because he's created us to be dependent on him and on each other. And that makes us in a place that we're not comfortable at all. It makes us vulnerable. It makes us open to, to all kinds of things that we don't want to think about because we want to be our own thing. Scripture says that no man is an island. We can't be by ourselves. We can't be self-sufficient. We can't be completely independent. Even Tom Hanks needed Wilson. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. Cast away. He had a volleyball and called it Wilson and put hair on it because he needed companionship stranded on this island. Right? Oh, I hear it. I knew it would come. It's early. Right? It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's, it's turkey coma. It's all that stuff. So even... At our, at our base part of who we are, 
We're fighting against the nature that God put in us. Because we want to be independent. We want to be self-reliant. We want to be self-sufficient in all these things. But God blessed us with a need. And we're going to get to the blessing part of it later because right now you're feeling like it's a curse. Because you don't want anybody. You don't want to need somebody. You don't want to depend on... Because when you depend on somebody, they can let you down. When you depend on somebody, they can, they can disappoint you. When you trust someone, they can hurt you. Right? Who's been hurt before? Who's been stabbed in the back? Not literally. Hopefully. You never know. We have all these walls and guards up because we want to be independent and we don't want to open ourselves up to hurt or any of those things. And we place these walls around ourselves, but God placed something in us to be dependent on each other and most of all, most importantly, dependent on him. And to be independent is distinctly not Christian. Oh. The laughter ceased right there. To be independent and to, to declare my independence of everything that God put in me is to say I'm going to go against the nature that God created me with. I must depend on him first and foremost. And I must depend on the people that he's put in my life. And yes, they will disappoint me. And yes, they will let me down. And yes, sometimes they will hurt me. But guess what? It's nothing I won't do to somebody else. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I have got to learn to depend and coexist and, and be part of this family that God has placed me in. And it's contrary to everything that we work for. We strive for independence. We strive for individual success. But we're meant to be dependent and part of a team. Members of this body jointly fit together. And when asked how important, what, when, when Jesus was asked what is truly important... Jesus, what, in the, what is most important? In Matthew 22, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, that God comes first in your life, and you love him above everything else. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All, I love this part, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Without these two, nothing else matters. That's what that says. Everything else in Scripture, everything else in the Word of God, all the law, everything the prophets said, hang on the fact that we must love God with everything we have. And we must love our neighbor as ourselves. Everything we could ever dream or hope for hinges on this. Love God. Love God first and foremost with everything that's in me and love others as myself. We have a need that's in us. It's programmed in the, 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 the deepest part of our DNA and it only happens through relationship, not isolation. Is anybody in here really just most content when you're by yourself or with your significant other and you're just like the world is shut out and everything else is, is right in your life, if, if, if that's the case. I'll be honest, I tend to be that way. If I got my wife and my kids and, and we have what we need, I, I, I'm good. <laughs> I've got some great friends, I've got awesome family, but really at the core of who I am, if I have my wife and my kids, I don't need a whole lot. And, and really, I'm, I'm kind of talking to myself today because this is something that I struggle with because 
our needs are met only through relationships and not isolations. In other words, first and foremost, commandment number one, we have to be relationally connected to God. We have to be relationally connected to God. Depend on Him with your heart. Depend on Him for everything. With every need that you have, depend on God. Need Him as your Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Lord's Prayer is a model for for how we are to pray and how we are to depend on Him for everything that we need. Depend on Him as your Father. Need Him. The problem with, with, with at least the church in America today, I think, is that we don't need Him necessarily. We come to church sometimes for our fix. Because we have, we, we become independent. We have about everything that we need and we don't necessarily need him. Maybe big picture we realize that we need salvation in our life. But besides that, we don't have needs in our life that we need him to take care of. So we need to need God. And if we start trusting God with everything in our life, if we start trusting him with everything, see, the the deal is we make decisions every single day without consulting him because we don't need him, because we got this, right? About our job, about our spouse, about our boyfriend or girlfriend, about our career, about our houses and cars and our finances. We we have it. We have it all figured out because if, if we don't know, we can go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon and get a book about it. And somebody smarter than us will tell us what we should do. Right? Isn't that right? We can watch Dr. Phil. We can watch Steve Harvey. We can watch, uh, what's the doctor dude that's on now? Dr. Oz. We can watch him and find out how to keep ourselves healthy. So if we've got all this information at our fingertips, what do we really need God for? It's just a salvation piece, right? Well, we have relegated him to that piece when we need to put him back into every part of our life and, and, and go to him and need him about direction and guidance and everything that we do go to him need him and here's a big one be loved by him allow him to love you allow him to take care of you allow him allow him to shower blessings on you we need him he said this is the first and greatest commandment is to love god Put him at the center of everything you do. Anytime through scripture that somebody gets sideways, it's because he wasn't first. And if you think about it, I'm not talking about every little thing you go through, but anytime in your life that you've really gotten sideways, it's because he wasn't there. Anytime in my life that I've gotten really sideways is because I wasn't doing what I knew was right. It's because he wasn't at the center of everything I was doing. Everything hinges on that first and greatest commandment that he is the center of everything that I do. And I need him for everything. But the second one comes right behind it and hits me harder than the first one. Because it's easier, it's easier for us to say, I love God. It's easier for us to say, I'm pursuing him with everything I have. But when it says, love your neighbor as yourself, man, that's tough, y'all. Because people are dumb. <laughs> My wife was in Walmart a few weeks ago. I wasn't there with her. And, and the, the lines were long, and it was, you know, it's Walmart, people. Come on. You know. They have websites, people of Walmart. So it's crazy in there, and no matter where you go, she was in Falston. It's crazy there, too. So she was in line, and she had a, a few things, and I, maybe over the limit of, of the express line. But this person came up and said, I'm going to open up over here and call her over there. And the person behind her called her over there, called him over there too. I don't know, guy or girl, whatever. So she called them over there to the new checkout line. And this person 
the, the line that she came out of still had a person in it behind the person checking out. So you get the picture. So if maybe on the outside, it might look like she was skipping ahead of the person that was waiting in that line. So she was checking out, and some, this lady came over from four aisles over, like down the line, and starts screaming at her. You cut in line, and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, what in the world? And she, the, the cashier was like, what in the world? The person behind was like, what in the world? <laughs> and this person said her piece and, and just screamed and yelled for a minute and left. And everybody just kind of stood there and watched the, the spectacle that it was. And when, then this person left and, and went on their way, the checkout lady said, I, I, I called you over here. I don't know what the big deal was. Nothing was done wrong. It didn't make sense. People are crazy. People are crazy. I'm crazy. You're crazy. We all got a little crazy in this, right? We do. And it doesn't take much to, to get it. There's, it's not buried very deeply in 2016. We're almost in 17. It's not very deep in who we are. The crazy is not, right? And it's getting more shallow and more shallow. But when the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, it's hard to love some people. Some of y'all make it easy. But some people just don't make it easy. If there's a choice in easy and hard, they're going to pick hard every single time. And if they're going to be normal or annoying, they're going to pick annoying every single time. And they're going to do things that, are, that just annoy you. And who's ever heard the expression, you're dancing on my last nerve? And they're going to do that to you. But scripture says the second most important thing I can ever do in my life is to love my neighbor as myself. And that to me is very hard. It's a difficult thing to do. Right? It's difficult. But we have to go back to the fact, if Jesus said, love God with all your heart and everything in you, and love your neighbor as yourself, we're blessed with a need. Number one, with, with the relationship with him. But number two, we're blessed with a need to be in community with each other. And we have to listen to that. Everything hinges on these two things. Love your neighbor as yourself. God created us to be dependent on him and on each other. There are only four things that we do. We, we, know, we, find, we know Jesus, right? We, we, we begin a relationship with him. We, we get to know him. He gets to know us, and we grow in him. And then we find freedom. We get rid of our junk, our vices, our addictions. We get victory over those things. And then we discover our redemptive purpose, and that, and that we, we learn where we plug into the body of Christ, and we learn what God wants us to do with our life, and then we make a difference with that. That's all we do. And if we get those first two things down, three and four take care of themselves. They do. But one and two hinge around today. They hinge around loving God. They hinge around loving each other. And they hinge around un knowing that I have got to understand that I need you. And you need me. And we're a happy family. Right? I'm going to give you two unusual thoughts, go figure, that hopefully will stick with you. God created us with a need. We need each other. We need a spiritual family. We need accountability. We need encouragement. We need all those things because Scripture says iron sharpens iron, right? Two specific ways I'm going to show you today that we need each other, right? The first way is this. You need a spiritual family, not just a, not, not just a natural one. We need a spiritual family with refrigerator rights. What does that mean? I need people 
from this body in my life that can walk in my house and open my fridge and get whatever they want. Nathaniel's a perfect example of that. <laughs> since he has been this tall, whenever he comes in our house, especially when, since he started driving, he just pop in and we walk, open the door, hi, get a big hug, he goes in the kitchen. Because he eats about every hour and a half. Two hours. And if it's not leftovers, it's a sandwich or it's something we had or it's a bowl of cereal. And as he's talking, as we're, whatever, he's getting food out of the fridge. Nearly every time. At one point, he had come to pick up my kids to take them somewhere. The kids and Natalie were in the car waiting on him. And he came in the house, got pizza out, microwaved it. And was eating, and they're waiting in the car on him. <laughs> and he didn't take any out there. It was just for him. Because he knows that Uncle Scott's house, he's got refrigerator rights. He's comfortable enough to walk in my house, give me a hug, and make a beeline for my kitchen. And get whatever he wants, because he knows that's cool. That's okay. And we love it that he's that comfortable at our house. It's awesome to see I absolutely love it, so don't feel bad. It's funny, but don't feel bad. I know. I'm going to stop right there. But it's, it's awesome that, that he does that. So look around the room. Everybody look around. Look around. Who in here has that in your house? Who in your small group has that in your house? They're comfortable enough to walk in your house. And go in your fridge and open it and say, oh, dude, that looks good. I want some of that. Or take your last Coke. <laughs> I want to kill somebody for that. <laughs> That's true. We need a spiritual family with refrigerator rights. In Acts 2, they had refrigerator rights. The Bible says they sold everything they had. They had everything in common with socialism. They had everything. Just a side note for all you highly conservative people. Um, <laughs> it was socialism. And, and they sold everything they had. They had it in common. They gave to everybody who had need. And they met daily in their houses and ate together. Yes, right. <laughs> I just lost some of y'all. It's funny. <laughs> Refrigerator rights. Who in your circle has them? Who have you not even invited to your house because they're a little weird? I'll get to weird in a minute. I really am going to. But, but we need to have people in, in our life, and not just in our life, but in our church, in our small groups, that, that we're comfortable enough that they have what we call refrigerator rights. They can come in our house and they can do whatever. I, I recently heard a story that there was a, 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 fa- a young family in a small group, and mom, they, were, they were growing their family, and mom and dad both worked, and mom decided to quit her job to be the family. And like a week later, their 18-month-old fell in the pool and drowned. Horrible story. And, and they were, mom and dad were so freaked out they had another kid, and they were so freaked out they didn't want to be at home. But the, the cool thing is they were part of a really tight, healthy small group. And their small group members took them in. And the, the small group members went and cleaned their house. 
made sure their kids were taken to school, but they didn't go back home for a while because they stayed with different members of their... They didn't have to get a hotel, pay any money. They stayed with members of their small group because they had refrigerator rights. They had a, a small, tight-knit group of people. And we, we, I believe we have a, a, at least one group like that in our church, and it's prime timers. You guys are unbelievable in what you do and how you, how you live in community. I love it. But we need more. We need more people that are are tightly and closely connected they were living life together and they were taking care of each other and and taking care of needs that that they had they needed each other and god's given us a need a need for each other and too many people are saying but we don't want to need anybody else you may not want to need anybody else but god gave us this need that we have to have filled we have to open up and be transparent and and do life together so the first thing is you need a refrigerator privilege spiritual family. <laughs> refrigerator privileges, they're important. The second is this. You need to have a spiritual family who are I don't care buddies. What is an I don't care buddy? In Romans 15, Scripture says, says, Accept one another. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept people as Christ has accepted you and that brings praise to God. This is a tough one for us. It could be even tougher than loving our neighbor as ourselves. Because once we come to Jesus and we have this experience with him and and we experience salvation, we tend to get a little bit self-righteous. And suddenly our sin isn't what somebody else's sin is. And we were never as bad as they are. And we never did the things they did. And we're a better Christian than this person is because we do this and they don't. Or we don't do this and they do. But Romans takes all their way, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. This means that I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done. We're family. Right? I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you have done. We're family. This means no one gets left behind. Right? Ohana. My second Disney reference of the day. And my daughter missed it. She's upstairs. It's from Lilo and Stitch. Nobody gets left behind. Because I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care means that you don't have to be fake you. We've all got fake us. How you doing, man? I'm awesome. How are you? Smile real big and say how good things are. When you're like... Right? I don't care means that you don't have to be fake you. You can be real you, and it's okay, because I don't care. You're accepted for who you are because we're family. We don't need titles and positions. We can be us, right? I'm not the omnipotent, most high, right, reverend? No, I can, we can be us. We can be us. I don't, I don't care, buddies. Who has an I don't care, buddy? I do. Who, you know I have an I don't care, buddy. There aren't that many hands going up right now. And as I've said a thousand times, some of y'all wouldn't raise your hand if Jesus was in the room physically. <laughs> we need an I don't care buddy, and we need, everybody needs to have one. Every single one of us, I said earlier, we have stuff. 
In one form or another, we got something. You've got your deal, you've got your baggage, and I've got, you've got your issues, and I've got all those things too. We each have all those things. Thank God somebody accepted us for who we are or who we were, right? So thank God somebody did accept us for who we are or who we were, but we need to reciprocate that now and accept other people for who they are. I already established people are crazy, and y'all laughed and agreed with me. And we're all crazy a little bit, so we need to accept everybody for who they are. Thank God somebody said, I don't care. Thank God somebody says, I don't care. The thing about Jesus is he accepts you for who you are. He accepts you where you are, but he never leaves you there. He never leaves you there. So I don't, you may struggle with alcohol, I don't care. You may struggle with drugs, don't care doesn't matter you may have issues with pornography doesn't matter don't care don't care you may struggle with abusing i did okay maybe you have anger management issues don't care low self-esteem doesn't matter greed just give me some (laughs) i don't care it doesn't matter if you're lazy i don't care we'll get some work ethic it doesn't matter you don't have a supportive spouse, it doesn't matter. We all fit in this kingdom. We all fit in this body. And we have to learn that it doesn't matter who you are, what you struggle with, that we need to fit together and grow together. Your deal or your hang-up doesn't define you. It's not worse than anybody else's. So stop listening to those stupid lies and understand that God's redemptive purpose in you is what it is. And he has a plan for your life. And those things are just things that are trying to prevent you from doing that. So how about we get past our hang-ups? How about we get past our religious stupidity? And how about we just accept people for who they are, understand that we're not perfect. We will never be perfect. We will all, and everyone in this room, will sin again. Amen. That's just how it is. Accept that fact and move, to get, move forward together. Let's get better together. Right? We all have something. It's just some of us are better at playing hide-and-seek. Some of y'all are hit pretty good. Ooh. You ever had that one person that nobody, like through three rounds of hide and seek, nobody ever saw them because they're hid so well and they won't give up their spot? Some of us are like that spiritually. Our stuff's hidden so deep that you will never, ever, it, it, it would take, you and your natural abilities will never see it. And they play church so well. But that's a different day. I don't care your hang-ups. Let's just get better together. Let's do life together because we're blessed with a need for each other. We're blessed with a need for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's do it together. Elements that are going to contribute to our spiritual family. Number one is commitment. Everybody say commitment. Who's got commitment issues? Anybody? Hey, I got some takers. Awesome. Thank you. People have commitment issues. We have got to do life together and that takes time. Who's busy? Who works more than one job? Who has kids in school? Who coaches sports? <laughs> We're busy. We get it. And doing this thing takes time. And you may say, I don't have time. And I say, you're kidding yourself. Because you have time for what you value. It's like with your money. I don't have any money. Well, let's talk about Starbucks. 
and Dunkin' Donuts and Marlboro or whatever your cigarette of choice is at $6 a pack. We have money for what we want to have money for, right? We have money for what we want to have money for. We have time for what we want to have time for. You may say, I don't have time for anything else. You have time for what you value. You have time for what you choose to have time for. If you don't have time for people, you don't value them. If you don't have time for your relationship with God, you don't value it. If you don't have time to come to church on Sunday morning, you don't value church on Sunday morning. If you miss half of Sunday morning, you don't value it. They got quiet. <laughs> How about this? I went to a small group. I liked everybody. But there was this one guy that was really weird. Anybody ever experienced that? And it's like, it just kind of put you off a little bit. And you're like, there's just full of weird people. <clears throat> Welcome to family. <laughs> Who has weird people in your family? Anybody with certifiable people in your family? My hand's still up. Two. Family reunion is like a reality TV show. I meet new people every time. I haven't been in one a long time, but I meet new people every single time. And it's crazy. That's what makes a family. Every small group is going to have a weird person in it. If you go to your small group and you don't think it's got a weird person in it, you might want to look in the mirror. You might be the weird person. It may be you. So a spiritual family takes commitment. It, it's going to have challenges. Right? The first one's commitment. The second one is challenges. One day somebody's baby's going to die. One day a, a guy that somebody loves is going to die. One day somebody's going to lose their job. One day somebody's marriage is going through a difficult time. It's life. One day a wife finds out that her husband is addicted to pornography. One day a husband finds out his, his wife is having an emotional connection with somebody else. Life happens. One day you're going to get bad news, whatever it is, and you need your family. You're going to need somebody. And if we've got this thing built, if we realize that I need somebody, I've got my relationship with God, but I need somebody else, and we're developing this relationship with people in our spiritual family, we're going to have a support system. And they're your family, and somebody has a need, and you help meet it. You have a need and somebody helps meet your need. We're family. That's what we are. God gave us a need. We need each other. We're blessed with that need because it creates community. It creates strength. It does take a village. It does. The third thing is the one who sets us apart from every other group of friends. It's, it's the one who came so that we could live. It's Jesus. Without him, it's just a group connecting. It's just a group being together. It's just a group doing life together. But with him, it, it transcends all of that and it becomes a spiritual family of a body jointly fit together, of a temple built up to him being holy. The one that, that came so that we could have eternal life. You need to have a personal relationship with him. You need to know him. You need, you need him to know you. You need him to... to to talk to you daily in, in the garden with Adam and Eve he talked to them daily we need that but if you look through scripture you'll find out it's more than just a personal relationship with Jesus it's more than just a personal relationship with Jesus it's actually a shared relationship with Jesus follow 
It's a shared relationship with Jesus where two or three are gathered in my name. I'll be in the midst of them. Two are stronger than one. This is all in scripture, okay? Pity the man who falls down by himself, has no one to help him up. Two are better than one. If one can put a thousand to flight, then two can put 10,000 to flight. There's strength in the body of Christ and we're designed to live together. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. The problem is we're so independent. Even Christians are like, we want to be independent and we want to do our own thing. But he created us to be dependent on him and dependent on his people. And how do I know you're going through life independently? Let me tell you some things about yourselves. You drive to work alone. You work out alone. If you read your Bible, you do it alone. If you pray, you do it alone. When you cry, you're more likely by yourself. And God said it's not good that anybody be alone. 